0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to All About the
1: Pod podcast with the University of Georgia peanut team. I am Macy Wheeler, your host, bringing you real-time updates from our scientists, extension specialists, extension agents, growers, graduate students, and everyone in between.
2: All right.
3: Thank you, and welcome back to All About the Pod. This is episode thirty-seven. We got quite a few things to go over today. A little different than normal. We uh, we got some guests coming in. Uh, one in particular from DNR today, and we're going to talk about the deer situation and, and what's going on. And I know that's kind of an interesting topic, but it's one we just wanted to get a get a little bit of feedback, uh, both cotton and peanut. And so we're going to have some guests in here in just a little bit um right at this point i'm talking with mark abney and i know mark's got to go and so we do want to kind of hit on what's going on in peanut with insects i've been out and about and i've seen a little bit mark but what's going on yeah well first of all i hate that i'm gonna i'm gonna actually listen to this podcast
4: because i want to hear what the dnr guy says about the deer situation because i'm i mean we've got serious deer problems and I mean, in my research plots, and I've heard more complaints about deer damage this year from growers than I think I've ever heard. And So that's that's really, I'm looking forward to listening to that. Um, But as far as what's going on, right, I mean, the main thing right now is that we need to be paying attention to foliage feeding caterpillars. Uh, It's that time of year. This is when they're supposed to show up and they're starting to show up. I've gotten quite a few reports this week of velvet bean caterpillar, which is, I would say probably the most common defoliator that we see in peanut, and it's certainly the most common at high numbers, and it can eat a lot really fast. So we want to be be careful with that one and make sure that we find it. Um, it is typically really easy to kill. Um, that's a that's one that we can get with dimethan. It's a growth regulator. So if you go out there when the caterpillars are huge. You know, it's gonna kill them when they molt. Mm. So as they grow, they molt their skin and then that's that's when they die. So if you kill them and they're already, let's just say their last larval stage, you didn't do much good for yourself if that's all that's out there, really big ones. Um, But it it will kill larger caterpillars. Um, It's very good on small ones, got really long residual activity. But most any insecticide that's registered for peanut that has caterpillar activity, will kill velvet bean caterpillar the one strange exception is steward which is really good insecticide it's just i want to make sure people know that if they happen to have it and they use it most people don't use that because it's not something that's marketed here much that one is not as good on velvet bean but pretty much everything else is going to smoke them and uh but we've gotten reports and i have seen i've seen corn earworm you know the corn's drying down uh i've seen some corn earworm in peanuts this week i've seen uh velvet bean this week got a call from Jennifer Miller uh, extension agent this week who had uh, green clover worm which is not super common we don't normally see it and, and not at populations that need to be treated normally but sometimes you do and they're pretty easy to confuse with velvet bean caterpillar. Mm. They look very similar. Um, and I think that's why she was calling me. She's like, this thing looks like a velvet bean caterpillar, except I know it's not because it, uh, she looked does it at the, wiggle. It, well, no, it wiggles. That's the <laughs> oh, thing. that wiggles. It looks uh-huh. the same color. It only has three pro legs. Oh, okay. And velvet okay. beans have four. And she's like, I'm, I, could it be that the, the other <laughs> ones are not? She's like, no, you got it. You got it. You know, she was thinking she was missing it, but she wasn't. She got it exactly right. So it, it, it could exactly
3: either right. be misinterpret
2: as, as it could be misidentified,
4: but, misidentified I mean, but most of the time it's not a big deal both of those are pretty easy to kill and we almost never get we almost never get threshold populations of green clover worm I, the natural enemies if we do get them it's usually because we did something to kill off all the beneficials oh,
3: Okay. now does dimlin work on that one
4: you know what I don't know because I've never had a population okay. I, I, I don't know I, I don't okay. know it's uh, probably right. I would guess it might but I don't know I'm. but just, if you it,
3: spray dimlin and it doesn't stop this worm from going through then know that it could be that maybe it's it's more likely
4: likely to be something else more likely to be. So the other one that we see a lot that, uh, that's is expensive to control the soybean looper, okay. And that's uh, it, those can be confused with velvet beans too, especially when they're small. And so we do want to be careful if you if you think it's oh I got velvet beans because my neighbors have velvet beans and you spray dimlin on them when they're really tiny and they don't die. Uh, there's a good chance that they were soybean looper, um, and you'll know that when they get bigger. They don't they don't act the same once they get big, but when they're little they're they're pretty similar. So we just need to be careful about that. If you, if you go in the field, if you're a grower or whatever, and you, you check the field and you see these caterpillars and you're not 100% sure, call your county agent, let them take a look at them and make sure. Because like I said, it's, um, you, know, the, you can use a cheap product on a velvet bean, but if you spray a cheap product on a caterpillar that, it, that doesn't kill, spray a cheap product on a looper and then, time. then you just wasted all that money because you got to come back and spray the more expensive stuff the so
3: what, time. what about, so you're saying that we're we're likely to see an increase in some of these. Now, a lot of that is because corn's coming out of the field and they're moving, right? Mm-hmm. For corn earworm, it is. Um,
4: um, for the others, well, velvet bean doesn't overwinter here. Okay. And so it basically migrates north. And so we, that's why we don't normally see them early. We won't see velvet beans in May and usually not even in June, right? It takes time for their population to build and they migrate north Um, soybean loopers I don't know we just see them it usually about this time is when numbers start to go up Uh, for corn earworm it's probably because they're coming out of corn Um, but this is the time of year when foliage feeders tend to I mean they've had time to turn a couple of generations in other places right? and so the numbers just build and then a year where it's I mean, conditions have been probably pretty good for caterpillars this year, right? I mean, stuff's growing, stuff's green, it's rained. I mean, some people are dry, but a lot of places have gotten adequate rain. And overall, the crops, I think, look pretty good. So
3: now I was talking to somebody just a few minutes ago. um, Talk about you know, what you recommend normally for dry land versus irrigated controller worms, because the reason I bring this up is sitting right here, we are super wet. Yeah. Okay. But you go just west of here and south and they're dry.
5: Yeah. And
3: so what happens in the difference there, staying wet versus being dry in a dry land situation, well, non-irrigated Yeah, situation? well, it can affect
4: the caterpillars that you see. I mean, a lot of times we won't have really bad, I mean, the, the moths aren't, stupid, I guess, right? They, they're not going to lay their eggs. If they have the choice of laying eggs in a place where there's good food for their babies, that's where they're going to be. So I think in a lot of cases, you're more likely to see heavy pressure in an, either an irrigated field or a field that's getting adequate water, especially if it's if it's spotty. If you've got wet areas very close to dry areas, you know, you're know probably more likely to see them in the, in the wetter areas. But as far as caterpillar recommendations in non-irrigated versus irrigated, it's, it's really not that different. Um because the I mean if you if you're at threshold and you need to treat, you need to treat and you have to use something that works. And you know, the, the thing that we, we caution people about doing is not putting a broad spectrum, which means kills lots of different things. Mainly it kills the natural enemies along with the caterpillars. We don't want to do that, especially in non irrigated peanuts. And that's because of flaring. Yeah, that would be a pyrethroid and orth an acephate like okay. orthine, something okay. like that. Um you know, those sorts of things we would rather not do in a non irrigated field, even though they might be cheap. Right. Um, for example, that's a you can kill most of the time we can kill velvet bean caterpillars with pyrethroid. Um I want people to be cautious. If they use a pyrethroid on velvet bean caterpillars, please go back and check them in about two days. And if they're still there, call your county agent. Um, we want to be very careful. We have had instances of resistance to pyrethroids with velvet beans. And I think for most of us in peanuts, it doesn't, doesn't matter that much. There's mm-hmm. We've got other options, but um, we do want to be very cautious about that. And if we There's another reason to be very careful about if you choose to use a pyrethroid, right? I mean, normally we get good control, but there have been a couple of years where we couldn't get control. And then for whatever reason, that resistance reverted back So the next year they were susceptible again. But um, there's reason to think maybe we we might have some issues this year. I don't know, but we want to be careful. If you spray a pyrethroid on velvet bean, just go back and... At, at the latest two days and if they're if they're not a bunch of dead ones out there we need to you need to let somebody know you
3: need to document
5: that right yeah
4: you need to call your county agent right then they'll get in touch with me and and then we'll we'll move from there because you know there's lots of things that can affect efficacy but uh, we want to be careful with that because we want to you know, if we are having a problem, we want to let everybody know yeah. as quick as we can so folks can just avoid that altogether.
3: And I know the, a lot of people, when they find a, a problem like that, that some people don't want to tell people. And this this is not that end-it situation. It's not anything that we is detrimental. We just need to know. No, definitely so, no. You know. Yeah,
4: the, the main reason to, to let everybody know is because we want to let other growers know so they don't make that mistake, right? Right. If you do it and you didn't know, it's not a mistake. Yeah. Right. You sprayed a a pyrethroid on a velvet bean caterpillar in an, an irrigated field because you can do it for three bucks an acre and kill them and it didn't kill them. Well, you just discovered a problem. You didn't make a mistake. That's right. But that's if every, right. if the word goes out, if extension sends out mm-hmm. bulletins and newsletters and texts and say, don't spray a pyrethroid on velvet beans and you do it because you weren't paying attention, then yes. yes. you made a mistake. So we yes. just want to make sure that's all it is. There's no, uh, I mean, there's no reason to be shy about it. I think you'd be helping everybody out if you let people know.
3: So. Now, with that same idea of letting people know, and hopefully you got scouts doing what they need to do, would it be helpful in your, uh for you with this whole banded cucumber beetle if we're having problems when they're pulling them up and checking them um you know we probably won't see a lot of that in the in the back in the trailers because it's going to blow out the back of the combine but if we're seeing the rootworm in more areas throughout the state that would be helpful correct yeah it's something we would want to know
4: um in a good way you know, for the county agents that are listening to this, if you're doing the pod blasting and maturity samples, right. That's what, you know, Seth McAllister is a county agent over in Terrell uh, County. And he's got, I mean, he's, he's in the, the heart of rootworm country, right? So he's paying attention when he's doing pod blasting. And I know a lot of times you know, you're blasting peanuts and, you know, you've got a big long line of people and you're trying to get done and you may not pay that much attention to, to pod damage, but, yeah, I would say if, if the agents, especially when they're doing that, would take the time to just look and if you're seeing holes in peanuts, and usually it's kind of like a like a drill hole, like something right. drilled, literally drilled a hole in there. Oftentimes it won't go all the way through. Sometimes it's just in the right. shell and doesn't right. go all the way through, but it's still something we need to know about. But yeah, if people are seeing that, we need it would be good for us to know because um, we have gotten reports of root worms in some fields near Tipton that we normally would not expect to see rootworm in and that's happened before in place in the last few years since we've had banded cucumber beetle and i know we've talked about it before you know 20 years ago it was all spotted cucumber beetle well now we've got a different one it's banded cucumber beetle and anecdotally meaning we don't have data to back it up but it appears that it can survive in lighter soils, drier soils. I right, think it's it's right. still moisture sensitive. It's not going to... It's going to be not gonna in be, the wetter soils. It's going to be in added, wetter places. But if you're in a place yeah. that's been
3: wet this entire yeah. season, that's yeah. where I would...
4: That's right. Looking. That's where you would...
3: And, and again, that's just for us to kind of get a handle on just how widespread this is. Yeah. Um, anything else? I, I know I knew you back covered it. Now, I know while we're talking and I know you got to go in a minute, um, I've been getting a lot of calls again about apogee and we're we're getting on the latter end of this thing the back end of this and I have I'm continuing to hear people that are either put out apogee or kudos. I'd say it's either one of those prohexadion calcium. Um and They're putting the crop oil in with it, but they're leaving the nitrogen out and people were telling them to do that. And I don't know where that's coming from. And and so people, if if you're putting out the growth regulator, we have to have that nitrogen source in there. Um, That is the key to making this thing work right. Uh, The crop oil is more optional. Um, That's one that if you're mixing with some things, I don't care that you use it. The other thing out there is remember that, and and we're well beyond that now, but when we first put that first application, application, it should be when we're about 90 to 100% lap, not 50%, 90 to 100%. And we're going to go over that again, you know, in grower meetings. But again, I don't want anybody to spend that kind of money and not do it right. And I've just been getting too many phone calls about people that say either it didn't work... Or, you know, they're saying, "Why did it do this, or why did it do that?" And then when it comes out, they they left some stuff out. And so we we've got to do a little bit better job. And I'm going to change some recommendation sheets this go around. But just I just wanted to put that out there because we still do have a couple of people putting it out uh, at this stage of the game. But well, Mark, if that's all, we'll um, that's it. i to I'm going to we'll tune in gotta, to the next yeah. person.
4: Yep, I'm uh, looking forward to listening to what the the deer expert has to say.
3: Well, I appreciate you being with us, Mark. Yeah, man. All right, let's see if we can get this to go. All right, we're back again. Like I said, I got several other visitors today. Um, uh, Glenn Harris is with us as normal, and then we also have Kim Hand from, from the Cotton Group. Uh, we're always glad to have him a part of this, but like I mentioned earlier, we had reached out to the Department of Natural Resources to try to get just some feedback and try to figure out where we're at um with the deer situation this year and and we may also throw a couple of notes out about the hog situation but um We'll we'll try to be try to be nice uh, to our guest the, uh, the best we can. But um, like I said, uh, our guest is Brian Vickery, and Brian, I'll let you introduce yourself and kind of give us some background on you, if you don't mind. Sure.
0: Uh, like I said, Brian Vickery, I'm the region supervisor for Southwest Georgia and Albany. Uh, been down here for 15 years now. Uh, just recently promoted up to region supervisor. Uh, as I was saying earlier, been in field operation for 15 years here before stepping up to this role. So uh, our region has expanded now. We dissolved one of the middle Georgia regions amongst the other six. So we're down to six regions now, but we go all the way up to Columbus, down to Florida, I-75, over to Alabama, basically. So we've got uh, staff of about 27, 28 people, 112,000 acres of public land, managing everything from... Premier quail habitat, dove fields, duck ponds, <laughs> uh, quality buck areas, some of the most prime turkey hunting opportunities in public land in the state of Georgia is down here. So we're we're very rich in that regard. Uh,
5: but
3: so while one of the reasons that we wanted to get some feedback from DNR was. This, you know, each year we have problems that we have growers, especially on cotton. Yeah, I'd um, say
1: I'd say that every year I get a couple calls, but this year has kind of been uh, unprecedented. Yeah, I'd say uh, to a certain extent, and it's kind of odd because normally. Um, Whenever I I would say that we have problems is whenever in May we kind of start planting cotton, it turns off dry, and then, you know, all the stuff in the woods dies, you know, kind of thing, and there ain't nothing else for them. That didn't happen this year. And I got more calls about the deer than I've ever got. And so, um, you know, whenever you start hearing from county agents that you don't ever hear from, like that's normally whenever it's a a bigger problem than than usual. And so I I don't know, you know, there's some thoughts that I have and I've started thinking a little bit more about it. And I know that they've been worse than peanuts this year. I feel that Roberts, our entomologist, he also covers soybeans and uh, we've put out some trials this. Time with soybeans, and I mean they've been mowing them down pretty yeah. good. So I mean, which I mean, soybeans are you know probably they love they love soybeans yeah, they
3: love soybeans. But I mean, yeah. I've only seen one field in my in my career in peanut that has ever what I consider being mowed down. I I went to a field call in Clay County,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and a guy. Now he said, and I knew there were deer issues, but he said I need you to come and look at a eighty ninety acre field, whatever it was. It was huge field, right? A half of it planted in peanut, and he didn't tell me anything about it. He said, I just need you to come and look at it. And so I come in the field, and yeah, there's weeds all in the field, but I look at the peanuts, and they're only about four inches wide. And I said, well, man, you planted late. He says, no, I didn't. (laughs) He said, these are almost 80 to 90 days old. Right. And it was from one end to the other. I mean, just... Mm -hmm four inches wide from one side of the field to the other. That's the only time I've ever seen that. And it was deer. And he said, I have more than 150 a night out here. Right. And they've been, they've been, you know, taking care of the best they can. But the reason that that field was so bad was that was the only field in about a 10 mile radius. Yes.
1: Yeah, right. Yes.
3: You know, so that's one thing. But then I come to not a single word. That was back in 2014 that I had that. Mm. I've not seen any fields like that at all until this year, and I got five all over the state, and these fields range from 30 acres to 70 plus acres, and they are mowed down from one side of the field to the next. And when I first got there and stepped off, the guy, because I come there because they said it was a herbicide complaint potentially or something else. And they wanted to get some feedback, and so I went there. And, I mean, when I stepped out of the truck, I said, this is deer. And it wasn't because I looked. It was because I smelled. I mean, you could – I mean, it it smelled like a hog Mm park. Wow. Yeah. And it smelled like that throughout the field. And when we got to on top of the hill where it wasn't as bad – Peanuts just looked a bit, but they still ate those. But they were knocking the top side of them. They were spreading yeah. sideways, but yeah. they were knocking the top side of them. And so it's just weird, like he's mentioned, and that was one of the reasons I reached out was sure. we're trying to figure out, you know, and I know we got problems and we've been working on them, but why this year? What What's going on this year that's so crazy that's forcing them out?
0: Well, I I, I don't know that I can speak to what's going on this year. I can speak to the, the- – the part you were Yeah, that's of, right. Uh, right. Uh, the, the the critter that we're managing here is an opportunistic browser. Man, right. you've sat in a deer stand and you've watched them come through the woods and she'll oh dough no, a stop, she'll nip the top out of this and then mm-hmm. step for the next mm-hmm. one. Well, we've uniformly performed a super good job of making an entire ag crop right. lush under yeah. irrigation. Yeah. All the soil amendments that we take into today. So that is a high yield protein. Across the board. That's why that row is is four inches wide. You know, um, there's a lot of things going on, I feel like, that are impacting us where you have these ag field expanses that are, you know, thousands of acres with these tiny woodlots in between Uh them. Okay. So you only have so much cover there. When you step off into like that property in Clay County, you got a mass timberland around it. And then you have this one yeah. sweet spot, so to speak. It did kind of mm-hmm. like when they opened up the Wendy's in wow. Sylvester. Everybody had <laughs> never had a Wendy's <laughs> and they all came to Wendy's. So when, <laughs> you, true, true. When, when you put in a 90 acre peanut field in the middle of the woods, then get ready. Here uh-huh. they come, you know, yeah. and they're going to come far and near. And, right. and, and it's they're making a living, expending the least amount of energy as possible. That's the way they all are. It don't matter if it's a fox trying to survive a drought, drinking air-conditioned water behind a house, or an alligator moving to the next body of water right. in, a, in a drought condition. So everybody's trying to earn a living with expending just the minimal amount of calories. So right. uh, one of the things that we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, least. Exp- the 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 expense of leasing property, the expense of having uh, the the time to go do these things. People don't deer hunt the way they did back in the eighties either. 100%. You know, we've 100%. got we've got a phenomenal thing going on right now where the professional hunting industry is promoting hunting. Uh, there's a lot of gray hair associated with the ones that are still doing it. So we're not doing a great job of recruiting. Uh, there's, there's, there people are people are hunting differently. Meaning, you know, I grew up my Christmas break and Thanksgiving, we were processing yeah. deer. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally on That's my right. mama's kitchen table, right. cutting up deer meat to put Now you go to a processor, you're dropping $150 on, on yeah. processing the deer. So the expense of getting the meat into your freezer is different on top of the, the cell phone cameras and yes. And, and, yes. and monitoring a deer herd naming them you know big G2s <laughs> And we're not hunting anything but this one deer. So yeah, the, the thing right. that, that I challenge anybody that when they start speaking on, you know, I got deer problems, they're eating my peanuts. How many deer did you kill last year? Mm-hmm. And the story usually goes, well, my, my, my son, he killed a nice eight point. My uncle come down at Christmas and he shot a big 10. And he said, I didn't get to go but two or three times and I let a bunch of little eight points walk and all this. And, and, you know, oh, I forgot my cousin came down and they shot a spike. <laughs> so you, you're you,
3: by dude, you, right?
0: you realize the, the antler is not eating the peanut right that's mm-hmm. not part of the problem here so the, we we put we put in their pocket 10 doe tags and 2 buck tags mm-hmm. and I'd say 90% of the 90% of the deer hunters are hunting one half of the population at birth well you perpetuate that over time yeah, and then you got the old adage about shooting does I don't yeah. want to shoot my does off you know that's going to hold my bucks in the uh-huh. You know, it's an education process there for somebody that's interested in doing quality deer management. Yeah. Lead is the beginning of it. Okay, you're you're six. I
1: will say I killed six. There you go. are well, not the boy. I mean, kind of, kind of. To you're your point, blame. as a kid, mm-hmm. like growing up, you know, my granddad has 200 acres on the Big Black River in Mississippi, and that's what we did. Right. And Thanksgiving, Christmas—I mean, every day we was out there, and it was—I mean, he had somebody come survey the place, and it mm-hmm. was like, all right, you got to take a certain number of does sure. to keep this population in check. But I did just look at the reported numbers from dnr and we got a 1.5 to 1 ratio dose to bucks right that's and, phenomenal and i mean it, yeah concerned. i mean that's a that's fairly good for what's reported right sure. and i mean you know again another plug we everybody needs to be reporting oh, right i mean, I mean just I mean, so we know what's going on you know but i i would agree with you everybody that i talk to says that they they don't want to shoot their dose early 'Cause I mean they they're watching these bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And then they gonna they wait to the end of the season, but then you start talking processing fees and that's stuff right. like that. It's and not gonna talk about a nocturnal behavior pattern. Yeah, that that's right. Happening that's true. The of right. of the they're not neighbor. out
0: there to be shot.
3: So <clears throat> with the population it, is the population tracked throughout the state? I'm talking about, do we do surveys, surveys of the de- of the populations? And do we know where they're more populated than not?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the harvest, like you're speaking of, that's where we collect a lot of information yeah, from. Okay. You know, we're looking at those trends, and it's over time. Uh, you know, when COVID hit, we saw an uptick. You know, mm-hmm. there, there was an uptick in license sales that, you know, yeah. people have kind of decided, you know, it, it's best to let's see if I can flex my hunting and gathering skills in the, in the world we're living in, you know, folks are gardening more, growing yeah, their own right, kind of thing. So right, we, right. we have seen an uptick in that, but on the statewide level, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's monitored. Um, okay. Uh, it's, I mean, would
3: be, the reason I bring that up, it'd be good if we could get those maps I, to share with our, I can, that's well, and those does, okay. I mean, are
5: you seeing, I mean, we're seeing, apparently we're seeing more damage. Are you seeing the a, a a population, yeah. yeah, that'd be interesting. So, oh, I mean, your data I'm, might not be there yet to be able to. Sure, track it, it's probably going to
0: lag. I mean, in the crop depredation permits, I, uh, mm. I had them pull at the office. We, we issued about 175 in this region. And uh, okay. now, okay. Tiff County is no longer in our region. It's just the way the cookie crumbled, so to speak. It flips over to the other region. But, I mean, you're not missing that many. I mean, you look at the totality of Southwest Georgia. 175 permits. I mean, that's not a lot of deer
5: permits. No. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: now we carry a larger volume than some of the other regions do, and I've got distribution maps on that as well. How many county uh-huh.
5: areas is
3: About?
0: Just, just shy of 40.
5: Good. Just shy of 40. So,
3: 40. so with those depredation problem. permits, I've heard several different people talk that, you know, it, one, or at least can you elaborate on them? If a landowner gets a depredation permit, can he put multiple people on that so that they can go out and, and be the people? Because a lot of these landowners don't want to do it. Well, that's the thing you, know? that
1: you talk to growers or county agents about this, and it's like these guys are working all day mm-hmm. to grow a crop, right? They don't want to sit up all night <laughs> waiting on deer, too, and sure. then have to do it again the next right. day, you know? And I mean, two, you start thinking about, you know, I mean, these guys, they they want to steward the land and be good stewards of the land and protect biodiversity and things like that. And they don't want this stuff to go to waste either, you know, and they don't want to, um, you know, cause any more, I guess, pain than, you know, is already happening kind of thing. So, I mean, it's just uh, – I don't know. The more I've thought about it, it's a very complex situation it is. It is. in terms of what the options that are out there, what can be done, what's willing to be done, sure. you know, kind of thing. I mean, it's uh it's comp it's complicated.
3: Well, we don't need anybody willy nilly going out there, sh- you know, and spotlighting that's right. deer uh, and shooting bucks at night when we're well, to a, those and those. you so. know, that's right. another
1: thing is that you know, you know, I, I've heard stories of guys that get permits and you know you shooting at night. Mistakes happen. Right, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know that, that that's a, there's honest mistakes that go on, sure. but then you know these guys that are applying for permits and trying to help themselves, they, you know, they're doing things right, and they will report if they make an up, a slip up, right? Sure. But and, then they can't get one for three years after that. So yeah, that's I mean, we're, we're, we're know, not
0: we're not here to police that to that degree to 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 write a citation to somebody that made a mistake and right and our, our, our law enforcement guys, sure. Their, their concepts of enforcement, uh, you know, generating compliance with the law, with the least amount of Force, if you want to call it that as possible. So I don't think that that's not the the problem. I think the, the larger problem with the deer depredation permit system is the misunderstanding of the intent of what it's about. It's right. a, it's a right. behavior modification. It's not a population reduction. The population reduction takes place through multiple programs that right. we've got. One, your hunting license, like I said, you got right. 10 deer tags for 10 doe tags. Uh, we have recently kind of revamped our, our deer depredation permit process uh, streamlined it. to It's an online process. Okay. And I've got a okay. slideshow here that'll show you how you can apply for this thing. And it's, okay. it's not as uh, intrusive to your time and my time having to go out and meet with these people and actually do an on-site visit. But, uh, you know, not, to, not that it helps our southern counties, but some of the things we've done in regulation that have changed uh, the deer season extension in southwest Georgia. We've extended right. it there, uh, the DMAP program, the Deer Management Assistance Plan, that's taken on in, in the Southwest Georgia. Some people may not be aware of it. The the people that are intensively managing a deer herd, they can enroll in this program and get additional deer tags. Okay, okay. so it, it's, it's I don't think deer tags are necessarily the limiting factor here. Right, I, I, uh, I, I don't that. think tagging is it. Uh, the permit policy itself, we we're now allowing permits to uh, be issued prior to planting uh, to begin the control immediately after planting right. Right. Okay. Um, more flexible for bucks on certain permit requests if you had orchard growers you know the, mm. the antler deer are going to be whipping the saplings i mean we're not right. interested in that in a peanut field <laughs> but if somebody's trying to put down a new a new orchard that's right yeah so we that's have right, that ability in there. right. we're even allowing non-residents because now you have some of these okay. farmers that are renting their land or leasing their land to non-residents before the non-residents couldn't participate mm-hmm. in it and that's a huge conflict that we run into where right. you know farmer farmer leases the crop land for X dollars an acre then turns around and leases the same Uh property with the woodlots to another group of people for hunting privileges. Well, the guys that are running cameras on the hunting privileges Uh see the night operations of the farmer and they're they're upset because I'm paying the farmer to come hunt this, you know, so I think by us allowing the non-residents to partake in it yes. the, the farmer has that utility now to communicate between the two groups and go hey here's what we're doing here's why we're doing and that's part of what the DMAP program can that's do true. that we can communicate with these guys that may have a misunderstanding about deer management and let them work together and, and solve wow. everybody's problems Um uh, the family members to be in the vehicle during control activities for years. That was something we didn't allow, you know, uh, the, the farmers coming back from supper in town or whatever, and he's going to ride through the field and shoot him out of there with a Q beam or something. Uh, we used to, they couldn't do that. Right. Now we can, you know, we're trying, we're trying to let our hair down a little bit and, and be uh, as helpful as possible. Uh, and you mentioned cubing spotlights, you know, yeah, yeah. that's another thing that we're, we're seeing, you know, with the hog problems that we have is like a lot of farmers have spent money on thermals or NVGs yeah. and suppressed weapons, which are all wonderful in the world of hog control. They're not, when it comes to deer depredation,
1: well, you know, I, I was talking to somebody about that the other day, and they said all these suppressors and stuff, mm-hmm. like they don't even know that anything's going on no. whenever you're wor- you're working on them. No. At it, night.
2: yeah, you know? it's
0: like if the power goes out and and, and you're in this building and. The lights flip back on the next morning, so to speak, when the sun comes up. And two or three of us is missing. Well, we don't really know what happened to us during, mm-hmm. <laughs> during the power right. outage. They're out so there. So the deterrent of yeah. the loud
3: guns, this, that, yeah, yeah. and the
0: other is is not moving them out of the field. No, and and you know the 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 I guess the classic standard issue combo number one, so to speak, on a deer permit is ten ten deer. Uh, you were talking about not wanting to waste deer, and and you know not having families that want to utilize a deer. I mean, it was like 85 degrees the other night at 10 o'clock. I mean, you you better be in a bag yeah. of ice situation if you if you take Very a deer a permit. Right, yeah. Right. So you know, um, a behavior modification looks a lot like uh, right at sunset after you've been issued the permit the first day you you possess your permit. You know that that last witching hour, so to speak, as we sit in the deer stand and wait on them. Same concepts going on right now. Oh, they're coming out in the field. You make a pass through. You may not even actually put a deer down. You just shoot between their feet. They've understood that something's changed here this afternoon. An hour and a half, two hours after dark, you make another pass through. Same difference. You may not even have to shoot the deer, just the light and the gun.
2: Right.
5: right.
0: And then your next round comes in at 11 o'clock or so. Mm -hmm. And that may be it on day one. Day two comes out there, well, you're going to check it at sunset because you can see the whole field. You went from seeing 18 out there in the field to two. You've, you've, you've made some headway. and You hadn't put a deer down. You've just pushed them back. and they're, they're understanding it is no longer free to eat here anymore is the message you're delivering. But if you fly out there at 10 o'clock with thermals and a suppressor, and these forty-five deer standing in this field, and you shoot two or three of them, they don't really know what's going on here. They they're right. not grasping the concept yeah. of the old school, uh, right, right, you know, cube <laughs> beam and thirty all six, and and that's where that's where the permit's most effective. So I mean, it's it's a good tool in that regard, but it's not going to satisfy the. The field you spoke of in Clay County, that that's that's a unique situation. You probably have large land masses around it that are managing a deer herd differently. Um, you've got some farmers that don't want to allow people on their property that's from the liability of it, too. So, well, And I, I mean, don't fault them for that.
1: You know, there's another complexity in this where farmers rent land mm-hmm. to grow, right? And the landowner is like, hey, you ain't shooting deer off my place. Whether it's, hey, my uncle comes down at Christmas that's and it. wants to shoot that's a right. bug or that's something that's like right. that. And so, I mean, you know, I've talked to a lot of Of cotton growers. (laughs) I've talked to a lot of cotton (laughs) growers that say, hey, I don't have problems on my own land. I have it on my rented land where I'm not allowed to, you know, use a permit and and stuff like that.
3: So another thing that I know as myself, a hunter, like I said, we killed a lot this year. I would have killed more, uh, except for the fact that, like we said earlier, things are expensive mm-hmm. for processing, um, I would give it away, you know, to the food for the hunger. We just don't have a place here. To and so I was, I wanted to throw
1: well, that well, out they're there. But they—they're in one close to Tifton. The closest is, so one, one to Tifton tift tift. is, is so one one to tift tift. Tift. like an hour away. Or hour. It's there's a, there's a there's Albany all. or Tarot County and then Hawkinsville. Yeah, mm-hmm. that,
0: we actually met with a uh, large group of farmers over in the, Calhoun County, I told yeah. you about. Yeah, uh, okay. I believe the McClendon Farms was uh-huh. the kind of the one yeah. that upset us, set us up there. But we came down to speak with them, and that was one of the kind of think tanks that evolved in, in my head once I wrapped around what their problems were over there. Because uh, years ago, back early in my career, we I ran the one up in uh, up in the Piedmont Uh, It was a hunters for the hungry program. Uh, The Georgia Department of Corrections provided the refrigeration trucks, tractor trailers. We set up for like a two to three day weekend Mm -hmm. and uh, you drop your deer off and you got this nice Elmer Fudd looking orange hat for uh, participating <laughs> in the uh, in the program. I mean that was tw- that was 20 years ago so it might have been an appropriate hat. Yeah, 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 that's
2: that. right. <laughs> that's
0: right. yeah, so
2: that's uh,
0: but anyhow the, the the whole the whole setback of that there's a there's a funding issue yeah, because right. you're having to take this meat to have it processed. Right. All right? Then it was, you know, food bank meat that was redistributed that way. Um so we're or I am exploring some options there to try to ramp that back up. Um, I feel like, it's just networking, basically. Yeah. You've you got some some pretty uh, impressive companies that are associated with the ag industry in Georgia that right. would probably uh, see it as a PR opportunity for them to come alongside us and their growers to help sponsor the processing or right. a, a facility that would process it under a discounted under situation line, and it'd yeah. be a, a collective agreement with uh, – it, 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 it's, it's, it's still – I guess building the plane in flight right now, much right. much exactly. less trying to fuel it. But that, that's something to entertain. You know, if if a guy has an option to bring in five or six those from an afternoon's outing in the peanut field yeah. and drop them off and and help somebody else, that yep. right,
3: yeah, they <laughs> But, you know, we've talked with, you know, there's a lot of talk among the ag, you know, and we've talked with <laughs> the Farm Bureau, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there is, a, and I didn't know through Farm Bureau or, or whoever we need to talk to, if, if they could find money through the legislature, whatever, whatever the, you know, we need to do through our state facility uh, or whatever to see, is there a subsidy, you know, can we subsidize a deer processing center? Can it be A1 in a tri-county area? area you know and maybe it's a two week deal maybe you do it for two weeks right. and say during yeah. this two week yeah. period for every dough you bring in we'll process and give it out Right? Um, I think you could get some movement there um
1: Cause I know I I wouldn't. Oh, I think every, every deer hunter I talk to that I, I give them, I'm, I had, like I said, I used to deer hunt a lot and I hadn't recently, but since this has gotten to be such an issue in my field, I'm going to get back into it and I'm going to try to do my part on shooting 10 does or, you know, whatever it is. But, um, you know, every hard-hitting deer hunter that I talk to, they say, man, I, I just wouldn't know what to do. You know, you get at in sunset. I don't want to fool with it, you know. And then That's you right. got to drive an hour and drop it all, drive an hour, come back, and all this stuff. Yeah. But if there was one close, I'd shoot more, you know, kind of thing, harvest more does or whatever it is, just because they don't want it to go to waste and they don't have the money to spend on, on processing fees. Now, um, I'm kind of curious, do you know – like the amount of money that it takes to kind of get a processor going on this, or um, well,
0: no, not not for the not for the hunters for the hungry program yeah. necessarily, but to kind of scale this off from a you know helicopter view statewide, uh, some of the counties and around these metro areas around Atlanta, Maconish you actually pre-buy a place in their coolers for you to kill a deer right i had no idea of that i mean i know there's places
1: around here that do that i was talking to somebody yesterday there's a processor in douglas that you pay and they hold you a spot you got a meat hook in their place that's right i had no idea that that you know conceptually it's competitive and so that's another issue with the hunters for hungry right you can't just shoot a a deer and just roll up to the processor and say, I got a deer for 100 for the hungry. Right. They say, Well, I ain't got any room. I'm sorry.
0: Well and yeah. that was the the refrigeration trailer. This right. was this was a uh, uh, I'm not even a hundred percent confident on who it was specifically? Uh, USDA inspected red meat facility. I, I don't know. I don't know where they took these. Some kind of mobile unit. Well, and I mean, the, yes, the, the trailer was. But I'm saying they they when it was over with, you had a a, a semi full of deer, and, and they carried them. them somewhere. Yeah, they carried yeah. them somewhere. I don't remember, but you know, that's been twenty rock, plus years rock. ago. Right. Um,
3: and I know there's a lot of there's probably a lot of liability that goes with some oh, of that, but absolutely but we don't need to let this food source disappear. You know, so you know, in order to solve a problem, we don't
1: need to just let it go to the wayside. Sure. Well into we it. You start thinking about the things like chronic wasting disease, right? I mean, something like this could help with chronic wasting. I mean Hey,
0: well, I'm I'm glad you said chronic wasting versus yeah, me because yeah. that was the next thing that I kind of <laughs> wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, no. no. no and that's, it out there. That's, yeah, let's, let's, go on to let's just go on and talk about it. Yeah, uh, I it, mean, it's real. It's not the the evil villain that probably I, I would say that it's portrayed just, right. right. It, it, this is nothing as if it shows up like COVID, to where it's going to wipe out. You know, right. it, it's it's a slower acting. Uh, we're learning more about it. There's more data coming in on it, uh, mm-hmm. as y'all well know. There's mm-hmm. one popped off positive in North Florida in the Panhandle, just a couple right. of counties out of yeah. us. So it, it's a when it gets here, not a if right. it gets yeah, here. Right. Our monitoring efforts are ramped up. I think there's opportunity here with the, the deer density and the need of harvest and us in, of need of samples. Right. We can work together right. with hunters in some mobile locations mm-hmm. and some some unique opportunities going to present itself here with that disease. But, you know, Mother Nature is kind of weird. Uh, we're sitting mm-hmm. here looking at a high deer density and uh, a disease that has a chance to impact a, a portion of the herd. Yeah. Now, it, it's not going to be an extirpation situation to where – You know, Seminole County is going to have three deer running around in it when this is over with. Right. Uh, It's not going to be totally devastating, but we will see a herd reduction overall. And in the areas where you have higher concentrations, uh, where you have people that are utilizing the the feeders that have uh, the
5: tube. Where the animals get their in there—that's there. Yeah. oh yes,
0: it'd be like we had one set of salad tongs down here at the Golden Corral at lunchtime. Yeah. And yeah. Somebody's going to get and there's the a COVID outbreak. Or or yeah. Times, yeah. You know, yeah. it's the yeah. same same concept. Yeah. Yeah. and I mean
1: just for just for <laughs> reference, I mean I went hunting with a group out in Colorado. Probably oh gosh, it would have been close to. 20 years ago almost I mean it was 15 years in? ago probably. yeah I was <laughs> uh, for everybody for everybody listening I was born in the same year that Dr. Harris started That's at the true. University of Georgia and that was 1994 a running yeah, Run into, a running but I mean I, you know I went wow. out in Colorado in 2009 and I was getting stuff about it then mm-hmm. out there, right? And so I mean, it's taken a long time to kind of creep its way nope. into the southeast, and kind of like you say, it's not a fast, you know, thing like COVID was. It's more of a slow moving thing. But to your point, it's a when issue, not a if. Yeah, issue. I mean, it's going
0: to happen. And you know, we've seen an uptick in EHD this year. Blue tongue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it's it's weather driven. Uh, you know it's just it's one of those one of those things yeah, uh, yeah. And, and like I said the where you concentrate deer folks that are feeding deer uh, I'd encourage you to don't don't make it look like one of those uh, uh, feed sites in Africa somewhere it's just bare dirt and the, the animals are concentrated in that area if you're interested in helping minimize the opportunity for any disease to be spread around a deer herd is to, to move that around don't have just a historical feed site over a mock stand that you're pumping Thousands of pounds of corn on the ground because it's a concentration of all the things of the way these the way are they're just passing it. that through, you're concentrating yeah. them there, and then and then people will get into the debate about a food plot. You know, well, they're mm-hmm. doing that on a food plot. Well, four square feet versus a half an acre.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. not a concentration. Yeah. I mean, yes,
0: they're there and they're visiting, but
5: the likelihood is a lot less in a in a, in a food plot of situation. Sure. I was going to ask you about food plots. Is you start out by saying you know they they see these fields as as you know. Buffets mm-hmm. are really good
1: place to go. Like sure. big food plots, or are we are we planting less food plots, or is the timing not right? Uh, well, I, what do you think? So, I mean, in conversations with Carol Johnson, who works for a Whitetail Institute now, mm. he was with USDA's retired weed scientist. Um, he's it was similar to what you said about COVID. Mm. I mean, it seemed like more, it upticked, right? And he was getting more calls from people during COVID time because. They run that's probably well that's you right.
0: know and I can I <laughs> I guess if I'm gonna do something I'm gonna do it right and yeah. I'm I'm gonna step out on a limb and hurt some feelings I don't think our average uh, hunter that's putting in a food plot is doing it right I, I think if you took into fact the cost and the equipment that it takes to mm-hmm. do it uh you look at a bag of what triple 10 is right now. Versus it's what it, it was five years yeah. ago. It's you can take your food plot, and anybody out here that farms and spreads fertilizer, if they miss a gap, they can see it in that crop. And I just got done saying they're opportunistic browsers.
2: They're you go out scared. there and
0: put down your your, your super buck, oat, wheat, whatever. <laughs> next, uh, yeah, yeah, and rape and sugar beets and all this other stuff that's hit the industry, and you don't factor in soil amendments. You're just sitting over a salad bar with no dressing on it, as far as I'm concerned. If it's not fertilized, if you're not taking account for the so then they're going to go to the. They're going to walk right by it. And yeah, no, I'd just soon go find an Mm -hmm. apron in the woods as I had this Mm -hmm. raggedy looking ryegrass patch. I mean, it's an illusion sometimes. And and Dick Payne was my wildlife professor day back. And uh, he, he gave a talk on food plots one time, and it was a test question which I thought was so cool. I got sent to college to get a test question (laughs) about food And "And I'm going to get paid to do this later in life. But nonetheless, he said, it's a focal point for harvest. He said, your ideal food plot is is a wedge shape where you can effectively shoot as far as you can. Right. And have a northwest wind hit you between the eyes as you're sitting there looking at it. He said, that's a food plot. Uh, you, to, to make a difference dietarily or in an antler development situation, you'd have to have over 10 percent of your land mass in an opening of high protein, you know, so, calcium yeah. and phosphorus two to one ratio. I mean, it, it's it's not even on our on our public lands, you know, we utilize those for specialty hunts to where we have uh we have, you know, women and children or new hunters and stuff. Yeah. We'll, we'll put them on a food plot. I'm not discrediting a food right. plot. I, I plant them myself and I <laughs> put my children over them. But
1: I put fertilizer on <laughs> And lime,
0: <laughs> right. hopefully, lime. That's, that's, yeah. that's,
1: well, that's, that, that was one thing that yes, Carol told me. He was like, yes, it's so. amazing these guys call. Yeah, and they're like, man, the my food 4.5. plot's not good. And he's like, well, did you take a soil sample? And they say, yeah. well, what's a soil sample? Yeah. And it's like, it's so yeah. cool, though, you yeah. know, yeah. that you get to have that kind of impact on them. Well, that's
3: probably why we have so many feeders. You know, because you it, can't get a food, food plot
1: to do that. Yeah. Right, you know, yeah. I mean, I it's, it's easy to go
5: open a bag. I can help with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is expensive to do
1: science. it. It's soul science, man. That's right. If, man, we, if
0: we'd uh, spend as much time putting information as we do pictures and videos out for right. these folks that are doing it, you got a a sack of some sort of food plot f- seed and there's no information about lime. You know, if I was mm-hmm. selling a seed to you and I wanted you to be successful over it, I'd tell, me tell me you how to grow it. Some
2: tell make sure you get your yeah. lime right. That's
0: right. I mean, there's, there's an old, um, uh, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It was a, a just a gee whiz chart of a pH scale. If you put a hundred units of nitrogen out and the lime, and it would show you what actually was the uptake on it across this scale. I mean, it's pretty much idiot proof. You could just pick it up and go, Oh, Oh, okay. I do yeah. need lime, you know, uh, and for years, you know, new ground, we were always told two tons to the acre, two tons to the acre. If you got new ground, you start out at two tons to the acre. And I bumped into a guy probably 15 years ago, and he said, if you need two tons to the acre, don't put it all out at one time. Yeah. He said, do a spring at a ton and a fall at a ton. He mm-hmm. said, the dirt can't take it up. I don't know how many semi-loads of lime I've put
1: out I <laughs> I was wrong, you know, for, for the years,
0: but, you know, it's just getting smarter about it. And, you know, the platforms that we got today to communicate with folks, it's a whole lot different than, you know, paper copies and, and literature stuck in an office somewhere. Sure.
5: Well, along those lines, and this might not be your area, but because um, that's my area, soil uh, fertilizers, organic amendments and all. What about these? Um, there's some of these fertilizers that have biosolids in them, and they're trying to use them as deterrents to deer. Like have the mill organized? And yeah. Bio, yeah. Yeah. Have you... Have you- do you have any opinion or experience? We just with unloaded. Those?
0: We just unloaded some at the region office with us trying to grow sunflowers for uh, for opening the dove season. We're we're still fighting
5: deer off of our sunflower flowers and using the Gallagher yeah. fence. It's not that, but I've been told they w- they're effective for a while. But once you get a good rain and they're washed, oh yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah, if it fit, yeah, wets,
0: you're done. You're spraying again, or you're spreading again. One of the two. Well, that's probably it's, keep it's a, a bunch of phosphorus.
3: Yeah, it's a time it rain. That does bring up a, a, a good question um do y'all test different material to see what's good what's bad as far as the turn goes because that's that's what we're talking about Is trying it, yeah. to there's a lot being offered mhm but we don't know what works and what doesn't work and some of it gets rained off and some, of some of
1: the stuff you know, it comes out so fast that we don't get a chance to look so, at yeah. it before it's commercial yeah
0: I mean as far as us testing I mean we've we've played with some of the chemical deterrents just to get us past a certain point of that plants right. Mm-hmm. and we've also changed the way we plant the, the edges instead of doing a, a sunflower crop right up to the edges we may plant brown top off the edge for 50 yards before we start the sunflower crop they don't, don't like that. brown top as much as Sunflowers is that the theory, or it, it, they, they Yes, get more, yes right? and Can they edge, get more and stay there. Well, they're an edge species, so if yeah. you if you put it to where they've got to stand out in the bald open, that's not as comfortable for them, so they're not going to utilize it. Uh, you know, uh, kind of the over the hill from the road view. Yeah, they'll they'll smoke that in a sunflower <laughs> field. The roadside, they don't want to. You know, yeah. they they're not comfortable with that, so we make it uncomfortable for them to utilize these dove field patches. Obviously, on the scale of ninety <laughs> acres of peanuts, we're not we're not right, capable of right, doing that. Right, but right. a Gallagher fence is is the thing that we have found. The old ribbon, we roll yeah. it out on a big fire hose reel, and we run two
5: two. It's a two one, strand two, stagger two, one, and one yeah, out here, yeah, and there's yeah. some it kind moves, of optical illusion. It messes with it. their depth perception, and it, and it, it really it's is highly nice. effective. I'm highly effective. effective. <laughs> and we'll run around, but we won't you to get through.
0: Well, it. I mean, hog, that would be a hog. A yeah. hog will, he'll, he'll ride the lightning. He'll <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun to clean up behind a, a, a sounder coming through one of those things.
1: <laughs> I mean, I've seen those Gallagher fences. I used to grow sweet corn in college and sell it. And I mean, I put one up around a sweet corn patch and it is amazing. They will not really? get in there. They It messes with them so much. They I mean, will. it is absolutely amazing. You know, I, I guess in the, 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 I guess the take home from this
0: with managing a deer herd as much ag as we have around us and what we're trying to do. The, the thing that I would say would be most beneficial to everybody would be, you know, where it's your, your church you connected with. Um, there's, there's opportunities to introduce hunting to folks uh, under the capacities of you taking time. If this is, you know, if this is a priority and important to you, use this as an opportunity and a platform to take somebody in the woods, um, put a license in their pocket and, right. um, you know, it's a it's a tremendous chance to have some high quality time with just random people that that you change their life and bring a skill set into them that will carry them on and perpetuate what we are doing with the, with, with with deer hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know it may not be that deer is their thing; they may they may take interest somewhere else. But it's uh it's a good chance to spend some quality time with family and friends, just sitting in the woods and. Whispering and giggling and, and seeing the sights and the sun come up.
3: So Yeah, there's something too going just river. sitting in the sand in the stands just to be there. But um I got a chance, my oldest daughter, Olivia, mm-hmm. you know, Olivia, she I won a gun and a rifle. And a little while back and and she ended up wanting to go shoot it just so she could shoot it. She shot it. Then she said she wanted to try to kill a deer. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, never, ever has she wanted to even entertain you. And then yeah. she went, you know, and didn't see anything. And we took her and talked her in to go the next day and try it again. She she shot her first deer. She killed it. And she was all about it. Now, it's when I, when are we going? That's all. So I mean, you know, those kind of things and, and, and we do. I mean you get a chance to sit there and call for I mean you don't have to be quiet a hundred percent of the time. No. And so you can enjoy yourself and hey, a lot of times I don't care if you kill anything or not when I'm in mean, that situation. Sure, sure. It's, sure. Right. it's not you know, about it's
0: not it's not what we're doing, it's that we're together kind of concept. Yeah, and right. you know, take yeah. leave that phone, put up in the backpack, get off social media yep. Yep. and <laughs> just, just be outside for a minute and, and spend some time together. And you know what when I was up there in Middle Jordan job I, I had uh didn't have children at that time and uh we had a phenomenal turkey hunt uh opportunity for the youth up there on Rum Creek and man, I was trying to find anybody, you know, hey, you
2: can you you borrow you you <laughs> right. right.
0: and then little guys, you know, seeing them grow up now, and some of them, some of them turned into preachers, and, and they still turkey hunting and taking kids hunting, and you know, that's probably the most valuable time I've ever spent in the woods, was taking just random children that would, yeah. you know, to So you. I say random, I mean, obviously, uh, right, you know you the community. Know I mean, right. I wasn't stopping at gas stations.
2: Look
3: <laughs> 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 I, 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 the you <laughs> kid for a little bit yeah. yeah.
0: I, I, I do love turkey hunting but uh you know if my i might have had one family where there was four of them and we run out of head nets and they were taking the liners to the drawers in the kitchens out and tucking <laughs> it in their hat to have a head net so
2: <laughs> that is I, awesome. I didn't have pictures of
0: that you know fortunately that was before all these phones had cameras or cameras had a phone to them right, or, yeah but
3: that's kind of cool Now you awesome. you said um One thing I would, you know, again, as we go forward, and and we appreciate you coming on and talking. Yes, sir. Um, One thing as we go forward, like I said, we're going to be in communication with, you know, Farm Bureau and some other folks, Mm -hmm. trying to just get – what can we do to help type of deal and get information out and we would love to be you know to have you guys sure. a part of that conversation as well when we go forward with it um, but I am interested in your slide set that you said you had uh, explaining the depredation permits and, and anything that you can provide us that when we go because we do men camp for certain blends with us a lot but we do anywhere from 45 to 50 grower meetings a year good lord and so <laughs> yeah, and that's from January the 4th to March the 10th.
1: We and 45 to 50. This so. year one of my major goals is to try to get a number associated with losses associated with deer in cotton. You yeah, know and you so died, like months, or, months, you know months, the, yeah. the money that's spent on you know uh, mitigation right, practices right, right. whether it's you know labor force or going to be repellents yeah, and stuff well, like that. We've got a unique thing.
3: I've got I've got what we call clickers. Yeah. And I can put questions in my PowerPoint when I when I do a presentation and we pass out clickers for every me and I've got 400 of them. And so we can it's all linked to the little thing in my computer and so when I ask a question they, they anonymously respond. can respond, and it will throw the answer to the screen. So they get they get immediate results, but nobody knows who who, who did said it.
1: what. Yeah.
3: Uh, and so we do that from time to time, and I'm gonna do that again this year. I will do it in my peanut achievement club yeah, and stuff right. to get because we can't get people. You know, every year. Hey, y'all got any questions? You know what? what yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nobody wants to raise their hand and talk, but they will do this. And so I don't know if that's something y'all might be interested to, into, you know, looking and see what they may do for some of your meetings, because that might, Might be something to get some more information, but we can we can get feedback, and that's something that has helped us in a lot of things. So keep that in mind, and and I'll show you what I'm talking about eventually. That's Um, that's really cool. And so it's a way that we can pull stuff out, and so that's one that we definitely can put in there. Yeah, you know, as far as and we can make. I think between both of us, if we do that, we can get at least some good feedback and some
1: information. Well, and I don't, and kind of to clarify, I don't want to be going around at well how many. Deer you shooting every year, you know kind no, of thing. No, like that's no, not no, the goal of this no. thing. It's really just to say, hey, look, is it a problem for you? How big of a problem is and it? How for many you And maybe, yeah, maybe, and maybe, yeah, you know, stuff like that. Maybe trying to find where it's a more concentrated problem. I feel like there are areas where it yeah, might be yeah, worse yeah. than others, well, like East, can, Ge- East Georgia it has more of those fields that are surrounded by woods, that's right. you know, kind that's of thing. And so that's the,
0: the satellite imagery and see where your problems are. Yeah, study study yeah. The, the, mm-hmm. the lay of the land and the habitat. Yeah, and
1: everybody's got a field and it's like, oh, that's my deer field. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I'm going to have a problem there. you hey, part you're of the field, right? Thing. Well, yeah, the I back in, yeah, I mean, back in, tucked in the wood, you yeah. know, just kind of back in there a little bit. And so. Rotating
0: crops out, mo- you know, modifying your, when you identify that,
2: mm-hmm. you yeah. know,
0: you know not to put peanuts back in that 15 acre field that's yeah, with the peanuts in oh, yeah. there. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's right.
3: And we do have another, you know, the other part of that, that where we have problems all the time now, it's beginning to be more problem, is around the cities.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. We have
3: ag that backs up to the cities and the city limits has gone out so far. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It's gone out because they annexed it because they need yeah. the revenue. But now we have put it in a situation you can't shoot them with goons now.
1: Yeah, the, the so, growers in, in Morgan County are a great example. There's still a handful of growers up there that grow cotton, and that they plant soybeans instead of peanuts because they're in the Piedmont. But, I mean, they say that the deer are going to put them out of business, and it's just because – athens and atlanta and stuff like that kind of moving out you know kind of thing and
0: and that's unfortunate it's kind of like you know with waterfowl we we spent i don't know how many months uh, improving goose pastures basically clover and wheat field Mm -hmm. up against the lake on either Lake juliet or clark hill or the geese could, you know, can Oh, I can
1: tell you where it. they are. they they
0: out on the <laughs> turf field next to my house. <laughs> right? And that's why them deer up there in the little of them uh-huh. is too. Again, they're learning. of a little bit of a living mm-hmm. concept. The At right. a living concept, of a little they of a living and a The the predator base for them is reduced. The same difference as, you know, the ones on the golf course out here. All Mm -hmm. they got to worry about is dodging a golf ball in town that's a car. Yeah. It's it's not, you know, it's not the hunters out there in Blaze orange that they're interested in. Yeah. 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 When they get in town.
3: We're good, and I think, like I said, I think we probably done beat you to death on well, questions. But you're, like, you're fine, I'm but a, I'm we do. I mean, this is a topic that's that's very interesting yeah. because we're all trying to figure out how to. We, on a daily basis, we're all trying to figure out how to solve problems. Absolutely, you know, yeah. because growers have problems all over. This is just one that's becoming to be another one in the last couple of years. And this
1: is one that we get to have a little bit of fun with because a lot of us like spend time outside. Like I say, I'm not a deer hunter. I, I lived in Arkansas for 10 years. I'm a duck hunter, you know, but I still like to get outside, you know, and kind of monitor and stuff. You like, are you seeing a therapist since you moved to Georgia? <laughs> now no, no, see, I got me a spot. We can talk about this after the after the podcast is over. I'll tell you about my spot. But it's uh, I got a good deal worked uh, I out. I've not
0: found a spot in Georgia that's like Arkansas. Uh, and I, I had to quit.
1: I tell you I'll tell you about, you about once here. <laughs> I
3: had to quit going
1: out there. Yeah. I was gonna move out there.
3: well it's, I was out there for about eight years and yeah. I, I left and and that was a different world. That is a different world, yes, sir. I, I don't even know if I should ask this question
5: either. But I mean, is this possibility a fluke? Yeah, it's uh, but do, you, do, do you any uh, you could call your fertilizer man and get a price for next year's nitrogen? Yeah. Easier, and I could probably, yeah, t- <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: I'm
5: not <laughs> I that when I ask the question you know, an impossible question. But it does, it does think you know it we can put all this effort in the next year. I don't think maybe the we're not gonna have a go anywhere for a while. It's not that cyclic, it's,
0: it's not that cyclic. In other words, if if every deer Hunter in Georgia heard us talk about shooting more deer. You might would see a downtick, but ultimately it's yeah. the cost of the living is such right now. People are not able to put eight or nine deer in the freezer.
1: No. I mean, you, you could buy... No. You could buy tons of ground beef or something for way sure. cheaper, right? Yes, I mean, so just, okay. it, it
5: didn't yeah. seem to come on in a hurry though. We've had the problem so, all along. All of a sudden this
1: year, boom. Now yeah. I, I will curious what
3: this year
5: I kinda
1: I, I kinda alluded to this earlier. Some of the things I think that happened this year that might have you know caused them to move a little bit more. It, it was real cool early on. Yes, sir. Early. Yeah. yes sir. it yeah. stayed raining. Yes, and sir. and that's kind of what got me on this is that it wasn't dry in May, yeah. so it didn't no, push no. them out in the field to eat. The stuff was still in the woods living, but it was so cool mm-hmm. up it was to June that, yeah. that they, they could, just, I mean, yeah, move, be moving. I, uh, there's a field that we took in this year, first year we ever had cotton on it at 1245 on on June 16th. Let's say I saw a doe in two spots mm-hmm. with her, you know, I mean, at 12 foot high noon, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's just that's unbelievable. That way, right? and so, yeah. yeah, and they ain't scared. I'm driving by, they ain't scared, you know, kind right. of thing. But so you got that, but then two, um, in cotton, anyways, you know, drought stress thickens that leaf up, and I would think that it would be less palatable to a deer in in drought stress conditions compared to what we had this year, where it stayed raining. It's it was lush. pretty lush. You but look know. At the soil amendments is going into that cotton. That's oh, absolutely. This is the honeysuckle
0: off in the bushes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> as well. Yeah, it, it, it's still.
1: It's, it's good. Still the cotton a has taken too. up all that stuff, yes, and, it, and right. it makes it a rich that's food right. source. That's so absolutely. that's that's, a, that's an the lime too good.
5: Yeah, yeah that's
1: right. we need to right, be
5: listening to you, back. and maybe we yeah, won't have these
1: deer fertilizer problems. Fertilizer dealers ain't gonna be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you,
0: know, you can <laughs> stop fertilizing, I guess, and call it organic, and get more forward. <laughs> yeah,
1: quit yeah. spraying <laughs> pesticides. Quit, and quit your. <laughs> then, uh, then we're gonna uh, have
2: synthetic
1: more synthetic weeds. So for your weed control specialist on organics, call Eric Prosco and
3: Stanley Caldwell Pepper.
1: They'll be
2: happy to help you take care of the problem.
1: That's
3: right. Take care right. of the problem. There's yeah. no deal there. They that's got right. it figured out. Right?
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe well, we need to pitch the license sale that this is organic meat that they're after. And, and
1: hey, I go. mean, you start thinking uh, about hey, free that's range like organic. That's I mean, all Free this range stuff. too. I mean, you know, you start thinking about all, all that. natural. Stuff. If you could get it in a grocery store, man, you can slap all them labels on yeah. it. And you'd sell yeah. out yeah. like that. Non-GMO. You know, non-GMO. non-GMO. I mean, come
3: on. But I know there is a lot of FDA
2: things that have to happen.
3: for that kind of thing, but. The thing about it is, is there are still, you know people will come and get it. You, know, yeah. you can give it away. That's right. There's they can people pay, that you, don't They can, can pay for the like processing yeah. and you just give it away and those are things we need to all talk about. Well, and it's a rich you know, food source get, for people yes. that need food. Yeah. I mean, they, you know. So, right. and, and I would say, we are trying to find the most humane way to do this. That's right, absolutely. Because none of us are here saying we just want to take this out. That's right. I mean, we are really trying to find the best well, way to do, do this and right. do it right and make, make,
1: like I said earlier,
3: we don't want this resource of to go to, waste. go to waste,
1: right? Um, and that's and so, a, you know, and and kind of bringing in the DNR side of things, managing a deer population to where you see a big buck on camera, he gonna come out at daytime, you know, and you can try to get him, right? I mean, or behavior yeah, modification. Yeah population management from that perspective. Uh, you know, I mean, it's an all-around, I think, coming from a good place. Yeah. I think it is. Enough. And
3: I think in the end of the day, we yeah. we'll get we'll get something out of this that we can at least bring and all. But the reason I, you know, your slide said you know, getting that, we'll share information at all these meetings. Yeah, with county agents um, and stuff. And so like we'll that try to me. help you get more information out the right way to get uh, not to say y'all do it the wrong way. I'm talking about no. from the from, from the perspective
1: of the growers. you the growers, growers. you meet
0: 45
1: times with this bunch and... It's and, about 2,000 people that show up. Right. I mean, and you and know, it, total over the that's,
0: that's way more than I'll be able to ever get this in front of under the capacity of the crowds that okay. we're, we're doing it. So, you know, helping us promote what we're doing and like I said, networking. I mean, it's just getting... Uh, ain't none of us as smart as all of us put together is kind of my, my theory. That's, that's uh, absolutely. So I, I love absolutely. the idea right. that, that I, uh, I can... Put this in your hands, and you arm the next person, and they have some connection to uh, uh, to, to make some of this go down to where we could kick off a Hunters for the hungry program down here that helps solve a lot of
3: problems. Yes, right. Yes, and we we will be a very big advocate for that. Absolutely, uh, when, and and even helps so, when does yeah. your
1: season open? By the way. Um, first weekend in September is archery, isn't it? Yeah, right search. there. I think it's second weekend. Yeah, first, first or, second weekend, something it's, like that. It's, first dove season, that weekend stuff. So that far away. away. It's,
0: it's, not not far far away. Not it's not very far, far
2: away. It's not far off. It's far
0: away from me, though. I promise I will not be in the woods hunting anything. <laughs> <about>. <laughs> no,
1: not when it's 100 degrees no, outside. No, 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 sir. I, I,
0: I love the boat hunt, but it won't be me in the woods I got to worry about. That's
3: great. Well, all right. We'll end this. What episode, episode? What this it, is number way? 37. 36. Uh, I'm going to uh, guess not this, not this
5: sure. is going to be one of the most popular uh, episodes.
3: This, this is, might be, this be good. So might be. this is this is a very good conversation, Absolutely. and like I said, Brian, thank you for coming yeah. on. Yes, thank sir. You. Um, we might do this again before it's over with. Um, Cool have to do feral hogs. You said something. Oh yeah, oh, feral yeah. hogs. I meant <laughs> I mean, I, I mean that. And we, I don't want to spend a whole me, lot. We already we're way things. way later than I wanted to be on Maybe. this, but hogs are, are another topic, um, and we will talk
2: about that. I can slide, so let's let's, I can let's
0: slide back over here with my okay. USDA awesome. partners oh, and, and oh, have yeah. that
2: yeah.
3: conversation. I mean, Why don't and we do that. that? Why don't we good um, good we look at our schedules um, because we're doing one a week. So we in the next couple of weeks, if we could pull one together, let's do that because that's be that's a whole other subject yep. that is just as important and for some reason this year not a bad deal yeah. it flip-flopped on us so um, it is for some but not mm-hmm. for everybody but no that's that's another one we really
1: need to talk about and and, and that's uh, an invasive I mean that, you know that's that an invasive not, that problem wild, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, right, that's, that's right, right. that's, that's wild a wild right. different
3: ballgame uh, and actually that, that, yeah, we 100%. need to get rid of that one as much as we can oh 100%, so. but, um, <laughs> 100%. All right.
5: there's different things you can do with that right
3: yeah well yeah. Glenn um thanks for coming on yeah. camp. Same thing. And Brian, appreciate it again. And again, yes, this is episode thirty-seven.